Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, our Browns Broncos preview edition. We've got Lance Risen coming up to break down the film on the Broncos. We've got Tyler Shoemaker to give us his best bets for the week. And then we are going to make our picks at the very end of the podcast. Dan Lobier, Mary Kay Cabot, and Ashley Bastock. So let's get to it. This game on Sunday, the Denver Broncos. We are recording this as every other segment you're going to hear here. I'll just same disclaimer. We're recording this on Wednesday evening. Uh, obviously, we did not have a pod on Thanksgiving, so we're back Friday. So we're a little early on this one. Uh, Mary Kay, what are you watching in this game? My goodness, there is so much to watch this game. Uh, but I think one of the, the biggest things that I am watching in this game uh, is the fact that the Denver Broncos are taking the ball away at an alarming rate. They've taken it away 12 times over the last three games. It has powered their four-game winning streak. They have rebounded from starting 1-5. and five. They are now 5-5 five and five and in the thick of the AFC playoff hunt. They cannot be ruled out. And if they keep taking the ball away like this, they just might find themselves there. They're the number 10 seed right now. The reason why this is an issue heading into this game is because DTR is making only his third NFL start. And they are going to be trying really, really hard to get the ball away from him. Once again, they're tied for second in the NFL with 19 takeaways. That's a whole lot of takeaways. It's the reason why they were able to beat the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills and the Minnesota Vikings. So they just keep taking it away, and um, and that's going to be an issue for the Browns. They have to be very, very careful, and they have to protect the ball in a very loud, loud environment. The Browns are, I think, two and six in Denver is the stat that I've seen. Apparently, I guess since maybe, I can't remember since when, Um, but their, their track record out there is not good. So that's the whole key, and um, we know that, that the Browns are not going to be able to go with as conservative a game plan every single week as they did against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Other teams are going to be able to score some points. And if they can score some points, then you have to score a few points if you want to win the game. So if they try to open it up a little bit, it lends itself to potential turnovers. So I think that is the biggest aspect of this football game. Yeah, and that's... I mean, that's why DTR is starting right now, Ashley, right? Because P.J. Walker was turning the ball over so much, and it seems like that throw against Seattle was the last straw, um, and they decided to go back to to DTR when that opportunity arose again. So, you know, it's this is a bad spot. You know, this is a winnable game, but the way you lose this game is if you fall into that trap of Denver forcing a bunch of turnovers, maybe you give up a defensive score or something like that, put your defense in a bad spot. And that's the other thing you don't want to do. You don't want to give this. You don't want to give them the ball at like the ten yard line and make your defense have to stop them. That's where we've seen this defense, you know, struggle and fail at times. So th- that's big. Like DTR cannot start turning the ball over, which is a big ask for any rookie quarterback, but especially a fifth rounder. Yeah, I'm curious if it's going to help. Like because that aspect of this matchup is to me pretty similar. To Pittsburgh, right? Like, Pittsburgh created a lot of takeaways coming into that game last week. Um, The Browns were on the receiving end of it. Pittsburgh had been outgained in a majority, well, in a majority of their games. It might be every single game, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, they've been outgained in every game. Yeah, and they're winning games that they're winning because they're creating points off turnovers. They did that against the Browns in Week 2. So, I do think DTR passed the test there. But you're right, like, that offense can't look exactly the same every single week. At least you don't think that that's sustainable. Um, So I am curious because against the Ravens in that first start, 
in week four, that was what he struggled with. Two of those interceptions led to touchdowns. The third one was the last play of the game. It ended the game. Um, and like you said, Dan, it's because they created really bad field position for this Browns defense. So I do think that's what you have to avoid. And basically, I think what needs to happen is if he does turn the ball over, like he did against the Steelers last week, defense has to get a stop and they can't let it sort of snowball. Okay, so Ashley, what are you going to watch in this game? Yeah, you know, looking at the Broncos offense, I think I'm curious, knowing right now, and we don't know game statuses or anything right now, right, as we record this on Wednesday night, but I do think Cortland Sutton is an interesting challenge, potentially, because we know right now this secondary is a little bit banged up. Cortland Sutton is big. He's like 6'4". He's great at contested catches. I do think the good news for the Browns is Martin Emerson, knock on wood right now, seems fairly healthy, isn't on the injury report or anything, and he's probably a good matchup for him. But we know Denzel Ward is dealing with a shoulder injury currently. He did not practice on Wednesday. Um, So if he's unable to go, I do think that maybe hinders you. And it's a passing offense right now where Russell Wilson's not throwing for a ton of yards, but he is throwing for... Pretty good number of touchdowns, 19 compared to the four interceptions. So I'm especially curious about that him and Sutton, and he just threw the game-winning touchdown to him against the Vikings last week. So that seems like a connection that the Browns are going to have to really focus on stopping. So Mary Kay, as we're recording this on Wednesday, you did just put up a post about Denzel Ward's status and, and all of that. So we've talked about this. Like the defense, for the most part, has been healthy. Like they've been in okay shape. They haven't lost Nick Chubb and Jack Conklin and Deshaun Watson and Jed Wills and any other, no, I'm probably forgetting like key players that the Browns have lost on that side of the ball. If they got to go a few weeks without Denzel Ward, Juan Thornhill, this is, this is when you start to worry, right? Cause you're, you're, we're already worried they might run out of bodies on the offensive side. And now if the part, if the unit that's been carrying you all along starts to lose guys, you might just run out of steam and it, it might be the, it might end up being the overarching story of this season. If this team doesn't get where they want to get to. Yeah. It, it would be very unfortunate if that happens after watching this defense play so well all season long. Uh, but as you mentioned, um, I, I actually kind of found out a little earlier today that there is some concern that Denzel Ward could miss games with this shoulder injury. I've heard the word labrum tossed around out there. I have no idea if that is actually what the injury is or if it's, um, you know, if it is that or it is is not that. I don't know yet. Still looking into some of that. They're not forthcoming with injury information. Of course, you know, they don't have to get that detailed with us and why would they if they didn't have to. Um, But Denzel's potential injury, which could keep him out a game, games, multiple games, we don't know yet, um, comes on the heels of Rodney McLeod being lost for the season with a torn biceps. And that is where it starts to get a little bit dicey because Juan Thornhill is still out right now with a calf injury, and now Grant Delpit is out with a thigh injury too. So you're starting to get uh, you know, pretty thin, especially at the safety position, and you're starting to see some of your starters miss time you know, maybe miss games. Juan Thornhill's already missed two games. So, you know, they're going to have to try to pull it together, but they are hoping, obviously, right now that Denzel doesn't miss any length of time. Okay, so there's this thing that the podcasts do sometimes where it's like predictions, like they, what's the headline going to be on, on Monday? And I was, I was just thinking to myself, right, Joe Flacco was in town today and we got to talk to him for the first time today. And, you know, he looks like Joe, he looks like he's still in good shape. Um, you know, he's tall, as you'd expect. He's got that big arm still. We got to see him practice a little bit. And he was thrown with the practice squad guys. They let DTR and PJ Walker work with the, the normal group of receivers. So if the game were tonight on Wednesday night, which it is not, Joe Flacco would not be the number two quarterback by Sunday. That very well could change. I'm just wondering, is there a chance that on Monday, the overarching headline is, does Kevin Stefanski need to turn to Joe Flacco? How soon? I mean, is that too soon? Or could we get to that point as soon as Monday if things go poorly on Sunday, Mary Kay? Well, it depends. It depends on what happens with DTR. Certainly, if he throws two interceptions, then they're going to look at it and say, hmm, maybe we should go to this guy over here who has won 99 regular season games and a Super Bowl and beat the Browns last year, showing he does still have something left in the tank. So, um, 
So I do think that if DTR is throwing picks or getting strip sacked and turning the ball over, that is the quickest way to be over on the bench next to Kevin Stefanski and them looking at someone else. And now they have a better option at number two, and I don't think they'll hesitate to go to it. So Mary Kay just rattled off Joe Flacco's stats there. And that's one of Mary Kay, that's one of your superpowers. It's just <laughs> rattling off stats out of nowhere. I go to the pharmacy. And they ask me for like my kids' birthdays if I'm picking up. And I can't remember. I have to sit there and think for like 10 minutes. Like I don't even know who my kids are. So I'm just, again, just rattling off Joe Flacco's stats out of nowhere. She doesn't have it in front of her. And I don't think she has it on her paper in front of her. So one of Mary Kay's superpowers. <laughs> Ashley, is is that going to be a discussion on Monday? Or are we going to at least get a couple weeks, uh, you know, separation between today and when we start talking about Joe Flacco? I mean, I'll raise you Monday and say, is it going to be a discussion <laughs> by mid-game Sunday? I mean, yes. I think if DTR goes out there and is struggling, like, number one, I mean, Twitter is accessible or X, whatever we're, we have to call it now. Um, but I do think, like Mary Kay said, if he starts to struggle – people are going to be like, put in Joe Flacco, <laughs> like we don't have time for this. And again, I've, you know, criticized some of what Kevin Stefanski did with Baker Mayfield in 2021 and the re- the reluctancy to pull him after turning the ball over. So I do think Kevin does not have a quick trigger finger in that way and pulling a quarterback, sometimes I think to the team's detriment. So I am curious if he would be willing to do that and say like if DTR has thrown two interceptions in the first half or turned the ball over twice, like, do you go to Joe after halftime? And I don't know, because there are those elements of, okay, what's, you know, what about his development and confidence? But at the same time, this AFC North is so close. The AFC in general is so close. Like, I don't know how much you really want to gamble at this point if things are going awry mid-game. Like, I definitely think, though, when from everything we heard from Joe Flacco today, like, the overarching theme is he came here because he felt like he has a chance to make an impact on the field here. And- like, Mary Kay, you don't sign Joe Flacco, who is, what? I mean, he is not, I'm sitting out there watching them practice, and, like, Joe Flacco is not, he does not have the same skill set as Deshaun Watson or Dorian Thompson Robinson. Or, like, he's not mobile, he's not, he's just a different style of quarterback. It's still hard for me to believe that you kind of just signed this guy to be a practice squad player. Uh, or maybe you're fine with him being the number two, but even that, it's like, this team has been so adamant that their number two needs to play like their number one. And Joe Flacco is not that guy. So it's just, there's a lot here that says to me, are we absolutely sure that they're not planning right now on him being the starter at some point? You know what? I, I think the way that I've been trying to describe it is the way that it's going to play out, but I'm certainly not sure, but it does seem to me that um, that Joe, you know, forget about him being the number three. I just don't think we even need to talk about that. No. He's not, he did not come here to sit behind P.J. Walker, and they're not going to go to P.J. Walker <laughs> if Dorian Thompson-Robinson falters. That's not happening, okay? But, um, you know, it's just hard to say if they are thinking of, okay, let's give DTR another week or another two, and then we're going to put Joe in there. Maybe that is the plan. I don't know. But I think it's more so... Let's see if DTR can hold down the fort, continue to develop week by week, continue to win, keep them in the thick of the race, and not make mistakes. Because that's what they need. They need a game manager who doesn't make a bunch of mistakes right now. And if he can do that, then I think he can stave off the former Super Bowl MVP. If he can't do that, then they do have a an upgrade over P.J. Walker. So I think it's set up kind of like that. Unless, unbeknownst to us, there's a plan where, all right, let's let Joe get up to speed. And as soon as we see that he's ready to roll, you know, we'll start playing. I I don't know. I mean, it's really hard to say. But um, I I don't get the vibe that that is the plan right now. Yeah, I mean, you don't sign somebody with the status of Flacco to sit behind P.J. Walker. (laughs) That's for certain. We can say that 100%. Like, if they were happy with P.J. Walker, they would have signed... I don't know, some other random third quarterback off the street uh, who's not, who doesn't carry the name or the weight of Joe Flacco. Ashley, could this be good for DTR to have Flacco in that room and and pushing him a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think so, just especially because, like we've talked about, there's going to be a period here where Deshaun Watson is just not able to be in the building because he had a surgery this week and he can't be flying back and forth across the country when you had new surgery on your shoulder. He's going to need to spend some time out there rehabbing and all that. 
And I do think, like, P.J. Walker has been around the league, but he's not, like, a veteran like Joe Flacco is, right? Who's a former Super Bowl MVP, who's played a ton of years in comparison, who has been a longtime starter. I mean, that's just a totally different perspective to add to that room. And I do think it's really important with DTR in his first year, and especially, like, when we look at DTR's first start against the Ravens, and... We've talked about it over and over again. Like in that moment, he looked so overwhelmed and talked about it being a huge like teaching point for him and and all that stuff. But I do think it helps the learning curve when you have a peer who is at a different stage than you who can kind of help you along too. Okay, uh, we're going to take a break. Lance Ryzen is going to join us after uh, to break down the film of the Broncos. A lot of good stuff there. If you don't know much about the Broncos, Lance did all the work for you. So check that out. He does not have any crazy food takes in, in this part of the segment. And then Tyler Shoemaker joins to do over best bets. Mary Kay, Ashley, and I will be back to make our picks at the very end. Welcome back to the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Uh, Lance Reisland joins us now as we preview the Broncos, but I'm going to give you a disclaimer. I'm actually giving you a disclaimer on the next segment of this, too. I am standing in a hallway at the Browns facility, so you're going to hear some background noise. There's a door behind me. You might hear some people coming in and out. They're just doing their jobs. Uh, but I'm sitting here in a hallway, Lance, uh, and <laughs> recording your segment here for the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. So Lance Reisland joins us as he does every Friday to preview the Broncos. How are you, Lance? I am well, Dan. How are you? Doing well. All right, let's get to it. Tell me about Russ Wilson. Um, not even a year ago, but a few weeks ago, you know, maybe a month or a month and a half ago, people were wondering if maybe that was going to go down as one of the worst trades uh, ever because he just hadn't done much for the Broncos. It seemed like they were destined to move on from him. And now Sean Payton has figured something out with Russ Wilson. So what is he doing well for Denver? Well, you know, like you said, he's got uh, 2,065, 200, 2,000. Uh, 65 yards passing, but he's completing almost 70% of his passes. And when you watch the film, he is their their run game is not real good. In fact, it's they don't really want to run it too much. Uh, if you look at what they do, they're a zone team. They'll run a little bit of pin and pull. Um, they did not run a they did not run a non zone scheme till about two minutes left in the third quarter against Minnesota. So they're a very zone split zone inside outside zone, but they're just looking for double teams. They're not overly aggressive up front. They're not overly overly physical. They're looking to horizontally displace you, not like the Browns. Browns are trying to maul you and vertically displace you. Uh, but what he does very well is that they their run game is now an extension, right? So they have an extended run game. And I remember on my chart, you know, the little thing that Stefanski holds, you know, when I, on mine it said extended run. So they'll run some play action. It'll look like an RPO. But if you look at it, it's not an RPO because the linemen are pass blocking. They're just pulling guards to try to get try to give you a little eye candy. Uh, and they're throwing those quick screens. They'll throw uh, swing passes on first down. They're trying to get it to second, four, second, and five. <clears throat> Excuse me. And what are they doing well is that they're they're just getting the ball out of his hands quickly. Um, you know, one thing he does not do as well as he used to do. He's not as he doesn't have as strong as arm. He can throw the deep ball very well, but I'm talking that 15 to 25 that NFL arm talent he doesn't have anymore. Uh, but what Sean Payton has done because I think Sean Payton is an awesome play caller and just like Kevin Spence, he designs things very well. He said, all right. We can't run the ball very well. Let's throw these short passes. Let's get it to down in distances that, um, you know, they're really boring on offense, but they're efficient and they get the job done. Their backs are okay. No one's great. Their old line's okay. No one's great. Uh, uh, Sutton, Cortland Sutton is pretty good. He's a, he's a big guy. He can give the Browns problems. He's got eight touchdowns. Uh, Russ spreads around. He, he processes real well. He's still got enough feet to get those third down uh, runs. So, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's much better than I thought. You know, I'm with you. Start and watch the film couple days ago he's he's not bad at all yeah and and look okay so Russ at least at one point in his career was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL um, when he was with Seattle Sean Payton we know is a fantastic offensive mind at some point if there was anything left there with Russ Sean Payton was going to be able to kind of figure it out and and get it out of him even if this isn't Seattle Russ anymore even if he can't run around quite like he used to Sean Payton was going to figure something out. Well, you know, what the, what he does, He's first of all, he's great with formations, and he's great with spreading people out. He's very much like Schwartz on the defensive of out. He's going to find matchups. He's going to find whatever you do. It's going to be interesting this week because the Browns don't have a lot of weaknesses, and they have a lot of disadvantage against that Browns defensive front. But he does. And if you look at, you know, he these guys that don't have lightning arms, you know, he Drew Brees didn't either. But they're efficient. They throw the ball well. They'll throw the ball short. Uh, they'll throw hitches. They'll throw things that you give them. They'll throw it underneath consistently check downs, check downs, check downs, swing pass. 
run pass option. They're they're going to keep you on your toes. They don't do a lot in the run game, so they're pretty efficient at it because that's all they do is run zone. And some teams, you know, some coaches when they when they run zone, they're only zone. And Sean Payton is an only zone guy. They're only running zone. So um, yeah, he's efficient, and uh, Sean Payton is is good at what he does, and he'll find some matchups and. Uh, he's going to make those linebackers cover, and he's going to trap them and wham them, and he watches film too, so it should be interesting. Okay, so let's dig into this this Broncos <clears throat> offense a little more. You mentioned their run game, uh, very basic run game, not super physical. So what do the Browns have to be worried about? Like what's the one, if, if their philosophy is take away the one thing the Broncos do well, what do they need to take away? Well, I like what, you know, they have to take away the short passing game. They have to take away the extended run game. That's the first thing they have to do. But with the Browns' defense, as compared to talking to you now for a couple years, the Browns' defense is now in that elite range where they don't have to change anything. They just have to play well. And there's a lot to be said. Uh, you know, as a coach, there's sometimes you watch film and you go, oh, my gosh, we could play a- as good as we can, and we're still going to lose by a bunch. And there's sometimes that, you you know, you have to adjust to the best receiver, to the best run scheme, to the, you know, and there are times the Browns will have to do that when they play the Ravens and other teams, you know, that are really, really good. But against this Broncos team, the Browns have to play to their strength. The Browns have to play with their hair on fire and do what they do best. And obviously they're watching the film. So if you're talking about schematically, they got to take away the short passing game. They got to make sure they get off those double teams. They got to make sure that they, they protect those linebackers and not let those double teams get into people. Um, Pass wise, they get in the red zone. I think they got to use Martin Emerson down in the red zone uh, against Sutton because he's six four and he he's a high point guy, so he does a really good job in that. I think Emerson's length. Uh, but if you watch the Browns, you and I were talking about like guys matching up. Browns defense doesn't care. Those guys line up and they play, and there's a lot to be said about that because they're more to worry about what they do, which helps you get reps. You win with reps. So the Browns are working on their defense. And they're going to make Denver adjust. And that's when you get elite, when you say, you're stopping us. And that's what the Browns defense is right now. They're, they have to be stopped because the Browns defense is, um, you know, we're, we're a bunch of games in here. We're double-digit games in. It's legit. I don't think this is a big ask here. So I'll just let you cook on this one. Tell me about Marvin Mims. Oh, you know, we, we, had, we had a lot of conversations about Marvin Mims, <laughs> didn't we? Uh, Marvin Mims, that's a, Tim. Tim's guy loves him too. So uh, he's very much like Elijah Moore. So, uh, you know, Sean Payton has had those guys in the past, uh, you know, trying to fit what you do, uh, what Russell Wilson does well. It's like Stefanski with Watson, you know, trying to marry all those things are hard. You, they're kind of reaching for him. The thing that he does really, really well, which is important for the Browns, is he punt returns very well. He kick returns very well. So for the Browns to be a winning football team, it's everything has to go well. So they can't lose special teams. So because there's a chance they could lose offense, they're probably going to win defense. Special teams could, you know, could be the deciding factor. So even the littlest thing, so they have to cover. He's an explosive athlete. They try to, you know, he's the typical jet guy, reverse guy, ball in space, quick, you know, RPOs, things like that. Um, very explosive when he touches the ball. Uh, he's a vertical threat. I really liked him in the uh, draft. I got to give Tim a lot of credit for that one because he's the one who really, you know, you watch more film on him. He's like, wow, this guy is explosive. Uh, they're having a little bit of trouble like the Browns are with Moore trying to figure out what the exact role is with Jerry Judy. Same thing with Judy. Man, you watch some plays with Judy. He's lights out, fast, explosive, and in another place he's gone. So, um, but yeah, Mims is explosive. Uh, they're going to have to cover on kicks. Uh, he's got to kick it in the end zone. Those little things that never show up. You don't want to give Mims a chance to kick return. Every kick has got to go in the end zone. Punt, you got to punt away. You know, there's you know, those little things. The Browns have to – every little thing counts with the Browns now. So tell me about this defense. How can the Browns how, – how should the Browns attack this Broncos D? Well, the Browns should run the ball. So this is the this is by far the worst defense I've seen, the front five. They're not bad players, but it kind of goes back to like last year's Brown. They're, they get vertically moved. So last week, the Vikings ran for 175 yards. They're averaging on the year giving up 5.5 per rush. And when you watch it, it's vertical displacement. It is getting into double teams and, excuse me, and a lot of, you know, a lot of these runs are similar in terms of, you know, like power and zone. There's a double team. There's a primary double team. In zone, there's two of them. In power, there's one of them. So there's a lot of similarities in terms of what you're working on in practice. But the Browns should vertically just knock these guys off the football. The Browns have shown they can do it over and over and over again, and they have to do that with these guys. They're not very good inside. Uh, Cooper's a very good – he's a pretty good pass rusher. I like their linebackers, but their linebackers have those defensive linemen in their in their singleton, and uh, Josie have their uh, – you know, those guys in their their laps every time. Uh, Secondary-wise, losing Jackson's huge because um, he's a he's a really good run-fit guy. Uh, he's a good in coverage. 
Uh, corners are pretty good. Sertain could be beat with double moves, which I think the Browns got to get to. Browns got to be a little bit more dynamic now on first down. Uh, taking shot plays, maybe a little uh, play action on first down. But uh, defense, again, this should be a boring, fast game. The Browns should run, run, run. Okay, I don't like you saying that because we've got a little superstition in Browns media that if you say a game is moving quickly or it's going to be fast, you're going to be sitting there for four and a half hours. So if it's we're true, sitting true. There for four and a half hours on Sunday, Lance, I'm going to text you and yeah, it's, gonna, it's going to be on you. Well, you um, know what I think? I just think they, I don't think they can stop them. I think you're going to get so many second fours. I think you're going to get so many second threes that, you know, you're going to have, you're going to have the opportunity to run past. So I just think, and with the, with the, with the Denver's throwing that extended run game, they're going to get lots of completions and bounds. Uh, but you're right. You never, you never quite know in football. It could be. Uh, I'll, I'll be waiting for the text if it's uh, eight thirty and they're just finishing up. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get to Amari Cooper here um, and and this Patrick Sertan <clears throat> matchup. Is this a week when Amari could get going? Well, yeah. So what you have is that you know if you watch the second half of the uh, Steelers game, you know everybody was like, "Oh, the Steelers are sitting on stuff." They were, but the Browns Browns run a lot of the similar routes, a lot of the similar stuff. So what you got to do now is that you know to make this sustainable, what they want to do is that now they got to do a little bit more on first down. And I think one of the things they could do is max, max protect, which gives him a sense of uh, confidence in the pocket. Then start working some double moves, especially on first down. And Sertain is a very aggressive guy, like a lot of NFL quarterbacks are. And I think you can start double moving, um, you know, one man, two man routes, very easy read for DTR, uh, working that levels contact, high to low, um, keeping the reads simple. Max protecting, letting Cooper cook uh, against Sertain because he's going to he, he Sertain is a, a really good corner and he'll he'll jump out routes, he'll curls. You know, there was a lot of slants last week, right? So I'm going to guarantee you in the first half you're going to see a sluggo. You're going to see an early sluggo from the Browns. Uh, it's going to be a quick three step sluggo and it'll be on Sertain. Why? Because they ran they were really good at slants last week. So Denver's watching those slants. Browns are going to say, you know what, we're going to run a sluggo now. So you're going to see Cooper on a sluggo, which he's the best sluggo runner I've ever broken down. So. Um, yeah, I think this is the week just because because Sertain's pretty good. Yeah, and I mean, should, the Browns should have a little more room to breathe this week because they don't have T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith bearing down on them. So I feel like they, they'll be able to scheme up a couple opportunities for DTR to take shots. Well, and, and what the Browns got to do is that they have to pick and choose when to do things. So when you it's it's a matter of if it's third down. Everybody knows you're going to pass, and that, you know it's always that's what's tough about being a coordinator. You got to take you got to take the abuse, right? As a head coach coordinator, because the best time to throw the ball if you're trying to take a shot is first down. But with the Browns, you don't want to put DTR in second ten too much because that's a thing. Now, what the what Stefanski's got to be able to do, which I think he's getting to, is you got to say to yourself, okay, on this series, it's on the forty yard line. You got to say to yourself, this is shot play. So 40 to 40 was always my shot zone, right? So I'm gonna anytime I get the ball on the first down, I'm taking a shot. Not all the time, but then if it's second 10, it's okay, run the ball. And then if it's third and 10, run it again and punt it, make the team go 90. And now it doesn't always work, but that's the percentage you have to play with this defense. That's the percentage, that's 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 the right call because if you go for it, they only have to go 40 yards. Make a team have to go 40, 50 yards, even to kick a field goal. You got the punter to do it, and that's what the Browns got to do. They got to continue, and that's hard for Stefanski. I'm an offensive guy too, and I want to score points, but listen, a win is a win. A win is a win is a win, and they're never ugly. So uh, I think they got to stick with the plan, be boring, and, and win football games. Okay, uh, you know you shocked us yesterday. I'm still, or not yesterday. You shocked us on on Wednesday with your uh, Thanksgiving, your Thanksgiving uh, waffle maker yeah. trick. Uh, maybe by this time, some folks will. I know. At some point, someone will have tried this. By the time people are hearing this on Friday, uh, I forgot to ask you for your pick last week. Luckily. It didn't go the way that, that you predicted it would go because I I told you you know you told me off the air what it was and I'm like well that you're gonna nail this this is gonna mm-hmm. be perfect um, but anyway you did pick the Browns to win last week mm-hmm. so what is your pick for this week's game well I think it's gonna be I got the Browns twenty to seven and here's why I think and I and I don't think it'll be that close I think the Browns will score I think it'll be a tight game um, I think the Browns will score late couple field goals in there somewhere I don't know what's gonna happen. Uh, I don't know why 20 instead of 21, but I just said, I said, I think it's 20 to seven. I think Denver scores late, either late in the half. I tell you when, uh, when Russ is pretty good is when he gets into that no huddle, uh, he can check it down. So I, I see them scoring maybe late in the half or at the end of the game. 
I just don't see in, in obviously NFL is NFL, but I just don't see the uh, Broncos being able to keep the ball from the Browns because of the Browns run game. I mean, I don't think they can get it from, and I just don't know how they're going to match up defense, uh, you know, with that defensive front, the front seven of the Browns. So uh, I think it's 27. I don't think it's that close. I think the Browns handled these guys pretty, pretty well because they're better up front. I, I do feel like it's time to start picking some weird numbers for the Browns because it's mm-hmm. a lot of field goals, a lot of, you know, you got to yeah. factor in maybe three field goals, two field, you know, you got to factor yes. in a lot of that. So safety, safety are part of numbers. Now. Yeah. Cause the safety is a part right, of it now because, last week because they're, they're starting to, they're starting to, uh, you know, punt and try to get him down in there. So, you know, when you're, when you don't have the, the offense you want to have and the Browns don't, let's be real. The Browns don't have the offense. Now you're thinking balls on the 50 punt it. Let's get a safety. You know, that's so you, that's how you start thinking now. So um, I think that's what's going to happen. And you're right. They're going to, there's going to be some crooked numbers, um, but I think the Browns defense will travel. And, and I think the Denver Broncos and, and Russ, they struggle big time. Okay. That's Lance Reisland. He joins us every Wednesday and Friday here on the orange and Brown talk podcast. We're going to take a break. And then when we come back, Tyler Shoemaker is going to give us his best bets for the weekend. I'm going to throw him a little uh, trouble that I'm having with my survivor pool here. And, Trying to talk myself into something as to just kind of white knuckle my way through this week. We'll see. But that's going to come up in the next segment. Lance, thanks for the time. As always, thanks for having me. Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, our preview edition for uh, Sunday when the Browns travel to Denver to take on the Broncos. Uh, just a quick, couple quick little disclaimers here as I welcome on Tyler Shoemaker, as we do every Friday. Uh, I am in a hallway in the Browns facility, so there might be a little background noise. And then also we're recording this on Wednesday, so just a heads up for everyone. Uh, because of the holiday, we're recording this a couple days early. But as I said, Tyler Shoemaker is here. Tyler, how are you today? Good, good to be here on this uh, Thanksgiving week. Um, looking forward to talking, talking some Browns again and getting into our uh, Hugh Jackson Five here in a minute. <laughs> well, that's where we're going to go here. Of course, we're going to start at the top. What have you got here in, in your updated rankings? Yeah, so the the Niners actually jumped up to number one this week by two tenths of a point over the Ravens, followed by the Cowboys again at number three, Chiefs number four, and the Bills up to number five, uh, slightly edging out the Browns. The Browns are number six by like two tenths of a point. Okay, so so the Browns getting up there. And interesting that San Francisco's back up on top. I feel like some people maybe wrote them off a little bit too early. They went through that little losing streak. But here they are getting healthy and, and potentially playing well again. Yep. Okay, so let's do it. Let's get to that Hugh Jackson five. All right, bottom, bottom five, the uh, highlight segment of the week. Uh, Cardinals uh, at a minus 4.5 rating, followed by the Patriots, the Panthers, commanders who lost to the giants and the giants <laughs> giants still still holding down the uh, bottom spot there pretty strong by 0.6 points so a, a decent gap there uh at, at the bottom but not not like it was with the commanders before obviously after after the game they played last week yeah the giants uh they I, they might be there for a while even after that win if they're still sitting there um <laughs> yeah. they might be there for a while i do have a panthers question for you a little bit later but we're going to save that we don't want to get to that right off the top i'm right. trying to make a decision on something involving the panthers so uh we'll, we'll get to that let's get a little more into the browns though who you you have at number 6 so tell me a little bit about how they end up there yeah so right now uh the offense is number 11 so creeping towards the top 10 Defense still very strong at, at, at number four. Uh, and then in terms of, you know, how they match up with Denver this week, Denver at one point, uh, I think for two or three straight weeks, was the bottom team in my ratings. They're actually up to number 23, playing much better lately. Uh, the offense kind of middle of the pack at number 15, but the defense is awful. Number 31 uh, in, in my ratings. So uh, the Brown, we'll, we'll get to it in a minute, but I – I like this matchup with the Browns offense against the the Broncos defense. So we were on, on Sunday, we were talking about this game. It was right. It was before the Denver Minnesota game was over. Um, that was still going on, but we were sitting in the press box talking about this game and we were trying to kind of guess what the line would be. And I said, the Browns favored by like, I think I said three or four points. And then we looked it up and the Denver was favored in this game. As we're recording this on Wednesday, they're still favored in this game. Why, why do you think that is? My best guess, so I project, sorry, I, I should have led with that. I project Browns minus five, and I project the total at 46 and a half, which is also way over what the over-under is currently. Now, I haven't checked the weather, but still a huge, huge discrepancy here on both the side and the total for my numbers and what the odds makers are at. And 
you know, the line I checked uh, before we recorded here Wednesday afternoon, sitting around one and a half. I had been at two earlier in the day, earlier in the week. My best guess, again, that's about a, you know, six and a half point adjustment. I just think books have way overcorrected uh, with this Deshaun Watson stuff. Like, I, I don't I don't understand because, the you know, the point I made last week was we have so much data on the Browns without Deshaun Watson that I don't know why you're making these, like, huge adjustments to, to what their metrics actually say. Uh, and, and that paid off. You know, our, our bets did very, very well last week. We were, what, three, three and one overall, uh, two and one on the Browns and, and our Texans under cash. So, you know, my numbers have been pretty, pretty solid here. And I, especially on the Browns specifically, I just, I don't understand what odds makers are doing uh, with the, with these huge adjustments for, for Deshaun Watson. So like you said, I know your total is higher than, than what they have. And I, I guess I could sit here and, and justify a low total just because we don't know if the Browns can score points with DTR right now. And obviously the Broncos play low scoring games. So I could, I can see why the total is that low, but yeah, it's just, it's mystifying to me that really even before Denver beat Minnesota, they were still favored in this game. Um, it just, it didn't make sense. So just a strange, just, just bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. You know, I situationally, I don't love this for the Browns, you know, coming off a a close kind of emotional divisional win against the Steelers. Uh, so I don't love the spot, but I mean, there's just so much value on this number. I, I would just be hard pressed not to, you know, take a Browns angle with, with my bets here this week. Okay. So let's uh, shift gears and get into this game a little bit. What do you like in this game? So again, I'm going to go back to the, to the point uh, margin bands. We've been, we've been killing those I, Browns by one to 10 again is two to one, you know, plus, plus 200 odds. So I just, I like that better than, than even, you know, taking the one and a half at, at minus one ten. Like that, that would be my lean. But if we can get them to win by one to ten at, at two to one odds, I just I think that's a better bet overall. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take that. Uh, and then I'm also, you know, I have mentioned the matchup of the Browns offense against. Or I would like anyone's offense against this Broncos defense, to be honest with you. But uh, the, you know, like I said, the Browns offense is number eleven in my rating. So I'm gonna take the Browns team total over sixteen and a half as well. And then from a prop standpoint. Um, there weren't a lot listed. I was able to grab one here just before we recorded. Uh, Amari Cooper over 41 and a half receiving yards. All of the projections that I have looked at have him like in the mid to high 60s here. So I'm, I'm going to play Amari Cooper over 41 and a half receiving yards. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes in Amari's career, when he's had a quiet game, he's come back and had a good one. And I do wonder if the Browns are going to make a little bit more of an effort, especially against a worse defense to get the ball downfield and maybe scheme something up to get Amari going down the field. Yeah, that, that that's a great point. And, and like I said, this is, this is the perfect team to be playing to kind of get right and get, get your confidence back up. So uh, I, I really like that. And, and these point bands, you know, like you said, two to one on, on a point band. I mean, that's, yeah. I don't think this team necessarily blows anybody out unless they get a defensive touchdown or two. Yeah, no. I, and that, and that's, that's my thing as well. Like I said, I, I project them to win by five, I, I think they're going to, you know, I think they're going to win in some capacity. And I, like you said, I can't imagine they're going to blow anyone out. You know, the, De- the Denver offense is playing pretty well. So I think they might be able to score a little bit here. Like I said, my, you know, my total projection is pretty high. So I just, I, I, I really like, like that bet for the, for the Browns here. Okay. What's uh what's a bet that you like this week? Um, just across the NFL. Yeah, one that I really like is the Raiders and Chiefs under 43. Uh, this kind of has all the all the components that I would like to take in it under. You know, the Raiders offense, terrible. Chiefs defense, number one in my ratings. Um, divisional game, like there, there's a lot to like here with, with this under. Um, and also, you know, 41 is a really key number in totals. 42, kind of a secondary key. So we're getting above both of those key numbers with this 43. So uh, I, I really like this under. Okay, what are you staying away from this week? Oh, the Bengals. I I think I mentioned them early earlier in the season. You know when Joe Burrow was playing but not healthy, and now he's obviously out for the season. So until we see what what this Jake Browning led offense is going to look like, I I'm I'm staying away from the Bengals. I I didn't like I didn't like the Bengals much even with Joe Burrow playing because they had been so inconsistent. But without him, I you know until I get a better feel for that, I, I don't want anything to do with them. Yeah, that's fair. And, uh, you know, honestly, when, when you kind of look at 
I mean, the Steelers are so hard to figure out, especially with the new offensive coordinator. It just feels like I want nothing to do with either of those teams. I'm, I'm completely yeah. <laughs> on board with you on that. <laughs> okay, so I don't have a random scroll bet this week, but this is the issue I was I was having. So I'm in a survivor pool. There's 12 people left, and I'm in a pinch this week. I don't have any good teams to choose, right? There's some games you can look at and say, well, of course you take this team, but all those teams are off the board for me. I have been spending the week talking myself into taking the Tennessee Titans over the Carolina Panthers. Should I continue talking myself into that or should I look elsewhere? And obviously you don't know. I'm, this is the only information I've given you. You don't, you don't know who I have, but let's just say it's if there's a bad game on the board, that's like one of my only options. We're talking like saints, Falcons, um, you know, the yeah. Bucks, Colts, those are Patriots, Giants. Those are the games that I have to look at. And so I'm trying to talk myself into fading the Panthers with the Titans. Yeah, I I think that's probably pretty sound logic. I mean, looking at, at those other games you mentioned, like the Falcons, Saints, like basically make that a pick em. Uh Colts, Bucks, basically make that a pick em. Like you're, you're flirting with some 50-50 odds there. Whereas with the Titans and Panthers, I project the Titans minus five and a half. You know, a lot of the other formulas I look at, uh, even higher than that, some eight and a half nines in here in my sheet. So, yeah, I am with you. I I think the Titans over the Panthers probably your best bet, you know, among those ugly games. See, I I feel good about that because this is this is a tough (laughs) week for me. Like I literally just have nothing good left on the board to to take this week. It just didn't work out for me. So I think I might just white knuckle it. And, and root for Mike Vrabel and the Titans to keep that, that Panthers draft pick that they don't even own getting better and better. There's one other thing I got to ask you about. Okay. So you put out a tweet today. This is a, <laughs> I, I know people are going to hear this on Friday, but um, you put out three teams, team one, Turkey, Mac and cheese, cranberry sauce, and pumpkin pie. Team two, ham stuffing, deviled eggs, and apple pie. Team three, your choice of ham, Turkey, mashed potatoes, broccoli casserole, sweet potato pie, who you got. And I have lost all faith in humanity, Tyler, because team two should be running away with this. That's the ham stuffing deviled eggs, apple pie team. It should be running away with this. And as of this moment, it's in last place. And I've, like I said, I've just lost all faith in humanity. I 1000% agree. Team two is definitely number one in my power ratings. Team one who's winning dead last. That would that would be my last pick. I mean, I can I can take or leave turkey. Given the choice between turkey and ham, I'm going ham. And then the other sides there, uh, I, I think by far are the best. So I I'm with you. Team team two should be should be blowing that out of the water. But uh, they're 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 the underdog. I like it. And the, the deviled eggs is so clutch to, to throw that in there. That oh was one gosh. that I that I missed out <laughs> yeah. on when I was recording with Lance Reisel in the other day. And of course, we were talking Thanksgiving food. Um, I, I missed out on that one. Um, okay, here, I am going to give you a, uh, actually, I, I scrolled a little bit too far here, but I'm going to find one last thing here, a random scroll bet. Uh, Patriots, Giants, do we like low totals under 33 and a half? No. This is like, I, a, this is like an Iowa under. Yeah, yeah, I I could not bring myself to do that. I project 37, which feels a little high, but I mean, even in looking at, you know, some of these other formulas, the lowest one I have projected the lowest formula is 34. So I don't, I don't have a single one under 33 and a half. So I, I would completely stay away from that total altogether. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm just talking myself into, I just want to be involved in as many bad games as possible this week between the Titans, <laughs> yeah, and, the, <laughs> Titans and the Panthers and the Patriots and Giants. I just want this to be like a, a bad football weekend for me. Yeah, you're, you're kind of a sicko. I like it. That's, that's my kind of people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's see. Let's see if I can figure out how to like uh, figure something out with the Rams and Cardinals. Really make this uh, really make this Sunday home. Uh, okay, where can people find you, Tyler? Yeah, you can uh, find me at vison.com. I you're listening to this on Friday, so uh, definitely check out what I have put out today because I'm doing a full betting preview of the Ohio State Michigan game uh, from both sides. So whether you like Michigan or Ohio State, I'm going to have some Michigan friendly bets, some Ohio State friendly bets, doing a full betting breakdown there. Uh, you can listen to me on Buckeye Talk every Friday, uh, and I'll be right here with Dan through through the end of the, of the Brown season every Friday as well. All right, sounds good. Uh, Tyler, like he says, joins us every Friday here on Orange and Brown Talk. We're going to take a break, and then when we come back, Mary Kay and Ashley will rejoin me, and we will make our way to early picks for this Broncos-Browns game on Sunday. Tyler, appreciate the time. All right, thanks, Dan. 
Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Thanks to Lance Ryzen. Thanks to Tyler Shoemaker. It is time for us to make our picks. Our way, like, I say this is the disclaimer every week when we're picking these on Thursday. These are way too early. These are way, way too early because it is Wednesday at 7 o'clock when we're making these picks. The Broncos are favored in this game by a point and a half. That was something that surprised me on Sunday. It's something that still surprises me a little bit today. The total on this game is 35 and a half, so a very low total here. Uh, this is all from DraftKings. So, who wants to go first? I went first last week. I don't want to go first this week. I can go first. Okay, Lance has already made his pick, so I guess Lance went first. But, uh, Ashley, what do you have? Well, let me, you vamp for a minute because I have to oh. one quick thing up first. But what was okay. Lance's pick? Yeah. Tell us that. Yeah. Well, everybody's heard Lance's pick. Lance picked the Browns. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember the score, even though I recorded it here in this hallway like an hour ago. I don't remember the score. I think <laughs> okay. it was 20 to 7, okay. I think is what he said. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Okay. If I'm wrong, everybody will remember. Okay. So I am ready now. I just had to look up one quick stat that I thought I couldn't read my own writing on, and I got <laughs> scared for a minute, and I didn't want to say the wrong thing. Okay. So some of this logic might sound a little backwards to people, but hear me out. I am picking the Browns in this one, and I'm going to do that. I'm going to explain it after the fact. So I'm going Cleveland 21, Denver 17. The Broncos currently have the longest active win streak in the NFL. They've won four games in a row, and we know how hard it is to win week to week. I do think this is a game where, you know, initially when you look at the schedule and Denver comes out and loses like their first three or four in a row, whatever it was, five of their first six. You're like, how good is this team going to be? This might be an easy gimme kind of game, but they are starting to figure things out. Now, here's where I think they might trip up against the Browns. We know they don't have a good pass rush. That's not what their defense does really well. This is one of, I think, the worst run defenses the Browns have had to face so far. And the Browns have managed to cobble together this run game with, you know, Kareem Hunt and Jerome Ford as the primary focus there. But the Broncos are giving up an average of 160 yards on the ground. That plays right into the Browns' hands of what this offense wants to do right now. And I do think it's going to be a fairly low-scoring game. You look at Denver, they're averaging just under 22 points per game. Their offense, they're giving up about 27. The Browns are averaging about 23 points per game. They're giving up only 18. I think those numbers, this defense is good enough that you know, I do think what's tricky is what I talked about earlier with Russell Wilson, that he can be pretty efficient with not a lot of yardage, and that is what you have to watch out for. But I do think the Browns have a good matchup against Sutton in Martin Emerson Jr., even if the secondary is a little bit depleted. I do think it'll be a close game. I do think this is one still <laughs> that could swing either way. That's why I have it within a touchdown. But I do just ultimately think that what Denver's defense is bad at is what the Browns want to do right now, and that helps Cleveland. Okay, I'm going to pick the Browns too. Um, Lance cursed us, by the way. You got, I, I explained this to him on the pod, so people have heard this already, but Lance said he expects a quick game. Oh, As we know, no, you never, Lance. never say that out loud, ever. But since Lance already did it, I'm gonna, I, I do think this is going to be a game where the Browns try to establish the run. They try to protect DTR. Like you said, Ashley, the Broncos' run defense is bad. The Browns have been a little iffy running the ball, but I think you could see a big Jerome Ford run. You could see Kareem Hunt pile up some yards this, this week. Maybe Pierre Strong makes his way back into the, the backfield a little more this week. Um, and then maybe they take a shot or two. Maybe, maybe they can finally free up Amari Cooper for something downfield, just scheme it up for DTR for an easy downfield throw. I don't think this is going to be a blowout. I do think the Browns are going to win this game. Um, I, they rely a lot on field goals, so i got to factor that into my number here. So I'm going to say that the Browns win this game. Let's go 19 to let's, – let's get real weird. 19 to 12. The Browns come away winners in Denver. Score Gami, I wonder. I doubt it. Okay. I doubt it. But we're going to say nineteen to twelve. Kind of a wonky. The wonky things happen in Denver, Mary Kay. As we know, we remember losing to Brandon Allen and Baker Mayfield shaving like three times, and Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry changing their cleats at halftime, and uh, Jermaine Whitehead tweeting death threats at people while he was still in his uniform in the locker room. All these stories are on cleveland.com slash Browns if you search for them, by the way. So weird things happen in Denver. And so I'm going to say 19 to 12, the Browns win. Yeah, this one is very difficult for me to pick because I do sort of feel like the Browns are going to win this game. But I also feel like I don't think the Browns are going to win out 
this season. I mean, maybe they will because of the strength of their defense. Um, but I do think that they are probably going to end up losing another at least one or two games. And when I look at the schedule, there just aren't that many games I think they're going to lose. I think that uh, they've got a lot of victories still coming their way. Uh, I think they've got a lot of easy games coming down the pike. So there are probably only three or four that I can circle where I think, hmm, the opponent might have a chance to win this game. And because it's Denver, and because wonky things happen in Denver, and because Russell Wilson seems to have found his sea legs under Sean Payton, and above all else, because the Broncos are taking it away like crazy, uh, this one is as logical as any of the others that they might lose to, to pick them uh, to lose to this team. So that's why I'm doing it. I do believe that the Browns can go out there and beat anyone. I think they can dominate any offense, regardless of who it is. I think they can carry this team so much so that I believe, strange as it sounds, they could go all the way to the Super Bowl on the strength of their defense. I think it's really hard. Uh, obviously, it's going to be really hard for any team to beat the Browns if you can't score points, right? If you can't score, right. you're not going to be able to beat these Cleveland Browns. So, uh, you know, we'll have to see. I mean, but you know what? Russell has has beaten some pretty good defenses during this stretch. This four-game winning streak, which is tied with the Eagles, four-game winning streak. Um, but during this streak, because of their takeaways, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs have a pretty darn good defense. And so do the Bills. And he beat them. So, um and then the other thing, of course, as we know, heading into this game, the Browns are at least right now a little bit banged up in their secondary. I don't know who's going to be able to play, who is not going to be able to play. But, you know, they have some pivoting to do in the back end. They don't have Rodney McLeod. We know that. Juan Thornhill might still be a little bit banged up. Uh, we don't know if Denzel's going to be able to play in this game or if he might be out for a couple of games. So, you know, they're going to, they're going to be doing some things a little differently, and it's going to be loud in there. So if you have communication issues in the back end, then, you know, Cortland Sutton, who has seven touchdown catches this season, you know, he might catch a, a long touchdown catch because of a miscommunication. So I am going to pick the Browns to, to lose this game just because, like I said, I can't sit here every single week and, and pick them. I mean, you could. I mean, I could <laughs> do that, but it doesn't seem realistic that they are going to win, uh, what would that be, 10 games in a row? Yeah, yeah and, and you'd have to believe that they're going to be 14-3. and three. Yeah. Like, I think this team is good. Yeah. Are they 14-3? and three? I don't, There aren't many teams I would ever say are 14-3 and three good. So, I, yeah, I think, you're, I think you're right. I don't think it's realistic that, they're, that we're going to get to January, what, 7th, and we're like, hey, the Browns finished 14-3. and three. They're going to lose... Somewhere along the line somewhere to some team like this. Somewhere along the line. And maybe it's only one more game. And maybe maybe this is it. But out of all the rest of them, you know, this isn't the craziest one to pick for them to lose because of the noise, because of the altitude, because Russell's playing better, because of the takeaways that they're getting. I don't feel strongly about it, if you can tell. <laughs> I just don't. But I'm going to do it anyways. And I'm picking the Broncos to win this game. I think I'm going to go 23 to 17. Okay. I like it when we don't have clean sweeps. We're all over the place on that. So uh, that's a good thing. Okay. That'll do it for this edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast, previewing the Browns and Broncos. Uh, thanks to Lance earlier. Thanks to Tyler earlier as well. For Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks to all of you for listening.